0: All right, good day, and uh, welcome to the uh, Live on Real Estate Show. I'm David Hall, along with Chris Pozzoli. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Mr. Pozzoli, how you doing? I'm good, David. Good Every, morning. Everything okay? Everything is perfect. A little you, cloudy for my liking. A little cloudy? Yeah. yeah. It's getting to be fall, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, fall time of year is a good time of year. It is. Not it as is. much golf for you, though. <laughs> for me? Well, I mean, the summer was <laughs> just incredible, the amount of golf you played this summer. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, well, you know, the game started to slip a little bit. <laughs> we're not from what that. I understand, that's an
0: understatement about what was going on with your golf game. But yeah. that's not why we're here today. No. Uh, we've got a great guest today on the show with us, Tracy Lenhardt from the uh, Tom Lipinski team over at Keller Williams Lakeside. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Good morning, everyone. Glad thank you, you could for, join us.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you got it. And uh, hopefully... Bring some uh, insight to the show that Chris and I may lack uh, that uh, our audience would appreciate. So, um, as we get into sort of current events, topics, things that are going on, uh, what we like to do is sort of get through some news here quickly for everybody, so that you're up to date on what's happening. And um, you know, the big the big story in our business continues to be mortgage interest rates and what's happening with interest rates. And you know, we've detailed this before, but basically, over the last uh, ten years. There's only been one period of time, which was summer of 2016, that kind of compared to October of 2019. So you're at basically you know, a 10-year low right now uh, in terms of mortgage interest rates and the opportunity to take advantage of that. And Chris, I know you've been very busy with clients purchasing yeah. and refinancing. And um, it's an interesting time. And one of the things I wanted you to comment on was sort of the, the way the media creates um, – Information about it because I feel like that maybe I don't know. I want to say July, August. There was more news about it. More people were probably inquiring. And as that media firestorm uh, sort of dwindles a little bit, there's less people maybe that are even aware of still how low rates are. You know, it was like a hot time there for a yeah, while. But yeah. the rates are still pretty much where they were. No, they were fantastic. And yeah. you're right about that. It's it's interesting in that
1: you know. I think whenever the Fed is about to meet, I think you know there's there's a buzz that comes along with it, yeah. and the lowering of rates, the announcement that rates that will uh, that will be cut, um, creates kind of a little bit of a buzz. But I agree with you in that it feels eerily quiet in just in general. in comparison, yeah. In comparison, yeah. it feels like in the past there was just so much noise around interest rates. And it was good noise Yeah. And right now it's kind of like a sneaky low interest rates. Like I I think most people, yeah, I think most people don't realize that they are at pretty much their lowest levels. I mean, when you compare historically, how much lower have they ever really, really been? I mean, not not even just the last ten years.
0: Well, I would say that they're probably within you know whatever a quarter, three eighths of their all time all time lows. Yeah, you know interest rates. Which
1: makes it even more interesting when people tell me they want to wait.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's, it's it's kind of amazing, especially right. when it makes sense. And so, yep. Tracy, in your day to day, I'm just curious, you know, because we talk to agents, um, and sometimes you know rates come up a lot with their clients. Sometimes not as much. Like, what what are the conversations that you have with clients, if any, surrounding interest rates? Because it's all the way a to z from what I find with client, uh, real estate agents from the standpoint of sometimes they just kind of refer that over to the mortgage part, and sometimes there's a lot of conversation about where rates are and how it's affecting their ability to buy.
2: Well, it, there is a lot of conversation with it because oh, it's making a little bit of history, yeah. and um, the consumers the the clients are aware of it. Um, I do tend to let you guys handle that yeah. end of things though
0: <laughs> yeah, and so you, obviously, with buying power being at an all time high, I mean that's got to be you know great for real estate business. I mean, when rates are at let's call it three and three quarters versus even a good rate at five and a half. People can afford so much more home if they choose to.
2: They can, that's correct. Um, what you're looking at, prices are a little bit higher, so maybe they're not noticing that affordability as much, which is mm. maybe where, where you were leaning towards, Chris. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's it's interesting, and certainly uh, the story before we started this year is that mortgage interest rates were going to be going up, and that really hasn't happened at all, and we've had a a great 2019 for consumers to take advantage of it whether they're purchasing or whether they maybe want to refinance something. Because a big thing that we found is that basically everybody that bought a house in 2017 or 2018 is should be refinancing in 2019 based on what's happened with interest rates, which has been good for our business but also good for consumers who, you know, I just bought a house and let's say I thought my payment was going to be 1500 Well, oh, now my payment's 1350 you know, because right. interest rates went down, which was really helpful. Right. You know? Uh, and that way they're not at sort of maybe the top tier of where they might have been where they bought in terms of the debt load that they had. So yeah. anyway, Fed lowered, what, was it three weeks ago? I think. It was about three weeks ago. And I think, is Halloween the big day that's coming, Jess?
1: Uh, I think the, it's the day before Halloween. The next Fed years. meeting.
0: So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with interest rates and the Fed and, and uh, all of that. So we'll And we'll talk more about that throughout the show. Um, CoreLogic is saying that fixed-rate mortgages will remain below 4% through the end of 2020, and with the unemployment rate below 4%, we're in a very good environment for housing demand. Some would call it a golden period that is stimulating activity. So when I get these headlines, Tracy, I kick it to the person who's out there working with homeowners. Is this a golden period right now in your mind? What exactly is happening here as we're in the fall of 2019 with – housing demand, is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? What do you think's happening?
2: Well, stepping into fourth quarter here, there's still a lot of activity. There's a little bit of a cool down, which is traditional due to the season, everybody going back to school and the weather changing. Um, but it's a strong, it's still a strong market. Sellers' advantage right now because inventory is low. Got it. Um, but as we continue on, the there's going to be less competition for the buyers as well. So it's it's a win-win for yeah. for hmm. both.
1: Yeah, that's a, and, yeah, that's 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 pretty rare. The win-win for both.
2: It is. Yeah. 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 Yes.
0: Good period of time. Yeah. It's great. Uh, moving on in the news, Trump calls for further rate cut despite China deal. Trump's calling <laughs> for another rate cut, even though the U.S. and China have agreed to the first phase of the trade deal. My buddy, uh, Frank Markey, shout out, uh, over in London, England, who listens to our show, uh, had a lot to say about when last show, I talked about it being unprecedented that Trump is calling for Fed rate cuts and sent me news articles of other presidents who more (laughs) subtly, more (laughs) subtly than Trump, (laughs) Uh, called for Fed rate cuts. So it wasn't unprecedented. Thanks for the correction there, Frank. Errors and omissions are a part of the show. Yes. Uh, but anyway, the way that President Trump goes about uh, talking about the Fed, which is just amazing to me. I mean, just ripping apart, you know, Jerome Powell. Yeah, well,
1: there is nothing subtle about nothing what subtle. he does.
0: So we'll see what happens uh, with the Fed coming up and how that affects mortgage interest rates. But I think it's going to be a heck of a important meeting because I think the last Fed meeting... Everybody thought the Fed was going to lower rates, and they did by a yep. quarter. I, I don't think that uh, it's. I think it's fifty-fifty at this point in my mind. You yeah. know, and I think a lot of people think the Fed's not going to lower. People think they will. Uh, Jess will get us the latest on the statistics of like what's on. What are they saying about what are the percentage chances? Okay. you looking it up. Yeah. Okay. Not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At some point, okay. we'll post it. We'll okay. get the percentages out there. I like it. I kind of think they're not. You the think right they're group. not? Yeah. Mm. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that bleeds into all parts of the uh, economy. Moving on, U.S. mortgage denials are at their lowest since the financial crisis. LendingTree reports that nearly 1 in 10 mortgage borrowers – were denied, meaning 10% of loan applications at a national level. That's the lowest since 2008 and the lowest since 2004 below that. So encouraging signs, more people are educating themselves on home buying mortgage process. And I got to imagine, Tracy, for you, there's nothing probably that over you know your time in the business that would be more frustrating than showing people houses that don't qualify. And that's sure. something that we talk about on the show. Yeah. Any stories about that from, the, or have you kind of safeguarded yourself against that during your career? Just curious if you've had that happen to you, because some agents have, some haven't, you know, just based on how you go about things in advance.
2: Well, a best practice is to have them talk with you guys, reach out with you first, see where they're at, so we don't waste anyone's time, and we're able to find them the home that will work for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Do you ever find that, you know, even though maybe they've done that and, you know, maybe we haven't given the glowing recommendation, we've sort of maybe proceeded with caution, but they're still just gung-ho? and just, you know, want, want, want. I've had guys, I've had yeah. people do that yeah. for I mean, sure. It's just yeah, just like, you know, hey, we found one today for 250 yeah. I was like, you were struggling to get $180. <laughs> I mean, where'd we go here? Reaching, <laughs> reaching a little bit above
2: and beyond. Yeah. yeah. Yes, a little bit. But that's yeah. part of the excitement yeah, of house true. hunting, isn't that it? Is
0: what I found <laughs> is that typically, like a first-time home buyer, they don't do that. They, they, they mm-hmm. want to be buttoned up because they don't know what they're doing. But usually it's on, um, you know, I'll call it um, – Consumers, And they're usually friends of mine, by the way, that do this, where they just feel like that maybe they're they've accumulated, you know, some wealth in their life. And maybe they have a position in their workplace where uh, they make decisions. So they've just decided that they're going to go ahead, even though they may be self-employed, right. even though their income may be, you know, a little right. messy as it relates to somebody who just gets a W-2, um, and maybe their funds aren't all sourced exactly. And I try to explain to them, hey, we've we got to kind of slow down here and talk about what you're going to do. And they're just out making offers. <laughs> like, I think they think that you're going to get it figured out. I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Hey, uh, and we usually we do, we question do. for you. Does this
1: scare you at all about the denials at their lowest uh, points?
0: Mm, well, it does work in both ways, right? Right? I mean, so- I'm
1: just thinking of how many people will look at this. You know, economists yeah. who who know a lot more than you and me uh, that supposedly. will look at this and say, you know, how how this is a leading indicator of where we're headed, and we're headed for disaster, and we're headed for another crash. And yeah, well, I, I guess it depends
0: fault. on if you look at it that way, or if you look at it that people are just uh, they realize that they got to get buttoned up. Yeah, I think you know the interesting thing we talked about how credit scores across the country have gone up right. over time, yep. and I don't think that. I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but uh, hopefully people are more educated. They understand the importance of their credit and everything else, and hopefully this just bleeds into that. But yeah. And I I mean, like, I don't know about you, Chris, but I don't feel like at all that we're—I still think lending is pretty conservative for yeah, the most I, I part. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, we don't have very liberal lending that's no, going on right no, now. No, and
1: I think uh, our outfit here is even— more conservative. than I know you than, do. Than, you talk about that quite a bit. Many. <laughs> I just, you know, I think that there's some that will see this, and, uh, and the headline could shift very easily towards, you know, lending becoming too liberal again, and, you know, what repeat. does all that
0: mean? Exactly. Well, that brings mm-hmm. us to our next subject. Most Americans think getting a mortgage would be hard for them. Hmm. Interesting headline. Three in five people... Think they wouldn't qualify for a mortgage? Very interesting study. Sixty uh, percent of prospective homebuyers—that uh, jumps uh, to seventy-four for those who make under fifty thousand dollars a year. How can an individual qualify with debt or a low credit score? It, it's it's interesting because it's this kind of the opposite we just talked about, yeah, and this is where some is. education has to get um, uh, has to happen. But we do see this a lot and Chris, I want you to comment on it. Tracy, you too, is um, people will call, hey, I don't know if I really qualify for anything, but I want to check it out. Yeah, you qualify. (laughs) Yeah, you you could buy a house, and you could do this and do that. And people don't always realize the opportunities there are for first-time home buyers with three and 5% down, even to this day. As much as it's been talked about over the last 25 years, people are always surprised by how little they need to put down in the opportunity that they have.
1: Yeah, I I would totally agree. I think I'm surprised by that statistic. Yeah. I really am. Um, I wonder if that, uh, you know, isn't the largest pool of buyers millennials? Yeah, well, is it is today. Potentially and it's like, the,
0: certainly the largest untapped pool right. of people. I, that wonder,
1: could, I wonder what demographic this
0: speaks to, if any. You do um, a lot of low-down uh, kind of stuff, Tracy, in terms of your your clients putting 3% down, 5% down, 10% down.
2: 3% down seems to be very popular. Yeah. And I think you're right as far as a lot of the consumers may not be aware of the criteria and all the different options that are available, That's which right. is, again, where you guys come into play and educating them in that area you ever
0: have conversations with your clients as it relates to their credit much or again i mean and every agent's different do you kick that back or do you guys talk about that
2: we'll have some preliminary conversations because that's the pretty much the first thing that comes up with them okay do i qualify here's my credit do i what do i need to do do i need to raise my credit score So we do start there. Yeah,
1: well, like we talked about before, too, I mean, the knowledge that people have about their credit score, even if it's not necessarily 100% accurate, most everybody nowadays has some type of, you know, app or or system that's informing them of where their credit rating is, Mm -hmm. and so that's... uh, you know, in the in the old days, nobody knew, right? What's your credit? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and how did you even access your credit yeah, right? back I mean, in you the day? No idea, right. So
0: it's kind of a double edged sword though, because a lot of the information that is out there isn't yes, very accurate, accurate no. right? I mean people say, Oh, my credit score is this right. on in in, in 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 and but that's not really their credit score. But it's usually not that far off. No, Sometimes it is, right. but usually it's it's close. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like credit karma and things like that are are models that are not necessarily in line with what a mortgage credit report will yeah will indicate. So. Yeah,
0: and then also people, I mean, one of the biggest misnomers is people will think that because they can qualify to buy a car, they can qualify for a mortgage, right. which is very very different. I mean, you can it's much easier to access financing for a car than it is for a mortgage. Yeah. I don't I mean a lot of people know that but some don't. W-
2: mm-hmm. What do you find the most different uh, between credit karma and then what you pull here?
0: She's asking the questions now. Yeah. I like that. Um, I mean, Reverse the tables. Right,
1: I like that too. Yeah. You know, what I seem to see is uh the history. It doesn't it doesn't go back as far in, into your history and like, you know, we can get it we could have a whole show on credit misnomers yeah. because it seems like those those um whatever you call them, um, systems, you know, they algorithms. will algorithms. Like, yeah, they'll yeah. like delete certain pieces. Like, you know, oh well, you know, that that collection account I had, you know, that's fallen off my credit report. It's like, no, it, it never falls off. It, okay. it, it it didn't go anywhere. It's there. But it seems to like after a certain period of time it doesn't equate in their in their math. You know.
0: The the credit um, apps and um, and the things that are out there I think are generally good but I find them to be a little bit like Zillow with homes where yeah. it tells you a little bit better than it is okay um, so but it, you know, but it's better than I think what we did what we had before but it just creates sort of this dichotomy between you and the consumer right. of. No, I know my credit's good. No, I'm looking at your credit report right now, and it's right. not that good. You know, So it's kind of – but, but it's, I think it's better than what we had before. I don't know you ever get perfect. Probably not in my right. lifetime. But uh, anyway, we're making progress, and I think that's good because in the past, to your point, you somebody who has their credit, they have no idea. So the access now to be able to see what's going on, to get alerts if things are happening, I mean, I think that's all positive, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Uh, two, total student debt. This was an interesting headline this week, I thought.
2: It was. Yeah,
0: it was uh, fascinating. Total student debt could buy every U.S. house on the market twice. The national student loan debt reached $1.5 trillion. When you break that down, the average student loan borrower owes about $34,000, which is almost 9000 more than a typical down payment on a home price to $260,000. If you were to put 10 percent down with student loan debt ballooning to astronomical numbers, uh, millennials are delaying on buying a home, which, you know, which is been the opposite trend. of what they've been saying from the last year. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think that what's interesting about that in general and that statistic is. This is holding people back to some degree from purchasing more than we may have thought in the beginning because everybody thought, hey, millennials are just, they're not buying homes. They just want to rent. They want to live in mom's basement. That's not necessarily the facts.
1: Yeah. Student loan is, this is like becoming a serious problem. I mean, it's unbelievable how many people have a ton of student loan debt. And, you know, not to get too deep into the lending weeds, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are not particularly kind. You know, in their guidelines in yeah. terms of how we have to qualify you with this debt, even if you're not making payments on it. So, Probably the next big change. Yeah, I bet it will yeah. be yeah. over the next,
0: I'll call it three or five years. Because yep. they don't agree. move super
1: fast. No, no.
0: Um, housing affordability spikes in September. Uh, housing affordability has been trending below historical averages since 2012. Falling into a 10-year low, this is all due to the nation's low interest rate environment. This is the second reading in the last 20 months, which helped boost housing affordability to a three-year high. So we see a lot of facts and figures, statistics that about housing affordability is high, housing affordability is low. But clearly, the low interest rate environment right. and the ability to be creative with your financing has created an affordability for a lot of people looking to purchase a home. Yeah, golden golden era i mean it really is (laughs) and i don't know how much you see of this tracy but like some of the tricks in our business is uh like let's say that a client wants to you know buy down their interest rate where you can get it really low these days into the if you wanted to pay a couple points you could get a rate in the low threes even the high twos thus creating a lot of affordability in terms of what's my payment now on that versus you know you just take a 6% Know, 6% interest rate. I mean, that's a big difference. That's half.
2: Very you know? big. Yeah. Very big difference. And
0: so I don't you you see in terms of uh I guess this is just more of what I like to check in on is sort of what people are talking about when you when you talk to one of your clients and they want to shop for a home. This is what I find in the webs confirming it is that Usually they're like, oh, that's all the payment is on that? You know, they, they, they assume the payment's going to be a little higher than what it ends up being, at least on our end. You find the same thing?
2: I think you're right on yeah. that end. And then when you put the interest rate, involve that in there, um, that's where they're surprised at how much house they can afford.
0: Yeah. You, you, do you use seller concessions much to try and create deals between buyers and sellers? I know sometimes that can be a little bit of a pain, and other times it's very helpful. Like... You know, the seller donating a certain amount to the buyer for fees for help with right. their closing costs, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that
2: is. that's a that happens very frequently. Yeah, I would say not half, but it's a it's a higher percentage. And I know. think
0: it's one of the things that consumers understand the least about prior right. to the transaction. Yep. Yep. When we introduce the idea to them, when it when it makes sense, we almost always hear the same thing. Oh, I can do that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, it's like a real benefit to be able to for sellers to be able to create a concession to the buyer mm-hmm. as a part of the transaction.
1: Would you say you've seen that increase or kind of remain steady? Like even just in the last, I don't know, 2-3 years.
2: Well, I would just even comment on the last couple of months. I've yeah. used it several times several time. in it. transactions. Yeah. So
1: I think it's a I love it personally. It's I great. Mean, yeah. It's the, I think it's the smartest way for certainly for the buyer yeah. to go in. So
0: um all right let's trace the transition a little bit Tracy into you know you and your business. we always like to get a good you know five good minutes to break down what you're working on what you're seeing in the market, how it can uh help our listeners and viewers of um you know just basically what's going on in the industry so you know two thousand nineteen has been a really good year for people in the real estate and the mortgage business from a standpoint of um housing values continuing to rise, although not at a rapid pace, at a steady pace. Um, What have you seen throughout the year that's either been, I don't want to call it remarkable, but either surprising or maybe different feedback that you're getting from your clients? So just about, you know, was it more of a seller's market or a buyer's market? Because I felt like there were pockets during the year where it kind of flipped a little bit at times. You know, we had a real seller's market for a long time, and I felt like at times this year was a little bit more of a buyer's market than I had before, but just what's your perspective on the year in general or how your business has gone and what, what you've noticed?
2: Well, the year flew by, first <laughs> of all, and um, it was a fantastic year. Lipinski team is um, well on its goals uh, for 2019. They've Great. got over 100 you know transactions closed at this time. Um, what we were seeing, uh, yes, overall a seller's market, um, but buyers had the advantage also because of the interest rates. And as we're moving on into fourth quarter, and actually we're, we're kind of done with fourth quarter. We're thinking 90, about next 90 year. 90-day cycle. So, yeah, we're thinking about first quarter of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but September indicators are, you know, showing that activity is still strong. Yeah. So um, there's and- fewer homes coming on the market right now, especially more in your luxury end. Uh, so that leans towards more of a buyer's advantage. Yeah, yeah.
0: So are you are you more focused on uh, buyers, sellers, both? And if so, sort of what's your insight as to what's been happening with either buyers' mindsets or sellers' mindsets about the market? Because it's, you know, I feel like over the last couple of years we've been pretty heavily into a seller's market, but I feel like that's leveled out a little bit.
2: And I work with both, uh, okay. you know, almost 50-50. Um, you know, you, the sellers, the tendency is obviously they would like to get the most money for their My home. house is
0: worth more than what you're telling well, me. It, right.
2: it is, but that's where my job comes in as far as giving them the market trends and the data so that we can guide them to correct pricing of it um, to attract the buyers. So, so tell
0: me, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, just tell me about the strategy – when you go to talk to a seller, I think everybody finds this fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you know you're competing with other people to get the listing. And somebody inevitably, human nature, will tell them that they can get more for their house. So now you're competing with, let's say that you think that the person's house is worth 225 and mm-hmm. somebody else has told them they can get 260 for their house. It's hard to compete with that, you know, just from the standpoint of you've got to give them a reality check and they've got to believe you, and everybody thinks their house is worth more than it is. I mean, Chris and I probably have... 20,000 stories of talking to somebody on the phone about getting an appraisal done, and well, my house is the best one
2: on the block. Everybody thinks that.
0: Their house and their kids are better than everybody else's. It's
2: a bit of an emotional attachment. Yeah, right. Mine are, though. I don't know. No, Chris, mine are. well, and again, that's where my job, taking the time to do the research, showing them what's happened in the past, showing them what who their competition is right now. let's look at some of the actual pictures of what's out there on the market right now, and do a little comparison and I find that a lot of the sellers are realistic you do I do, yeah, hmm, that's good,
0: yeah, well, I mean, just I mean, I can't tell you how many stories that we see just because we get involved in a transaction when Somebody will say, you know, they're trying to buy a new house, and they're trying to sell their house, and maybe their house has been on the market for a while, and they've changed realtors. And right. they said that first realtor had stringing me along for 90 days and told me it was worth this, and it really wasn't. And, you know, always in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you know, you wanted to believe that as well. You know, it's not just the realtor's fault. There's like a two-way street there. But having said that, the consumer does rely on the agent for the expertise that they Because they're not in the day-to-day of real estate. You know, they just want to think that their house is worth more. So that that reality check is probably an important conversation.
2: And it's an important conversation to have up front, not after the home's been sitting for a little while and then come to them and say, well, we may need to look at things a little bit, make some adjustments. Yeah. Um, So I think the knowledge up front is most important. As the market changes a little bit, too, and there is, you know, the buyers are out there, and they have a little bit of advantage because of slowing in this time of year. Yeah. Um, the main, uh, the way you stage your home is important. Yeah. So make sure you've got your repairs done. The walls and the floors are good, and your curb appeal is good.
0: And homes that sit a while get a stigma. Oh they yeah. They do. Absolutely, they do. I mean, that's why a lot of agents like to try and sell the home in the first ten days, or whatever, thirty days, or whatever the number is, but. Certainly there's there's a school of thought out there where if you price it right and you get a bunch of offers right away, then you create sort of this firestorm of activity where people want the house. You ever employ that type of strategy?
2: Uh, we've dealt with it. We dealt with that a lot all summer. Yeah. And again, yeah. pricing is everything. You get your multiple people interested yeah. in the home and sometimes the sellers get more than they've asked for. Yeah,
1: yeah. Has anything changed in terms of kind of the old tried and true, you know things that will get you your value. You know, you mentioned obviously the curb appeal and your floors and things like that. Um, But, you know, people that, um, new hot water heater, you know, new furnace, you know, things that people sometimes think are gonna add value that, you know, for the most part, I mean, if your water heater works, it's really no better than the guy down the street. <laughs> exactly.
2: I mean, people do ask the age right, of the, right. those items. But, uh, but no, it's the things I mentioned earlier. And then, you know, a clean home goes a long, long way. You know, remove your clutter. Yeah. Um, first impressions are important.
0: How do you have that conversation with somebody who maybe doesn't get that? I want to hear about those conversations. <laughs>
1: Or what, you know? Just, you know, people, some people are a little bit and more
0: messy. wow well, uh, So yeah. they, they don't, but they don't view it as messy because that's the environment they live in. And as True. an agent, you have to say, we got to clean up your mess, but right. you can't really say it that way.
2: Well, my mom always said, make our homes look like better homes and gardens.
0: Okay.
1: okay. So I
2: might be aging myself with that comment, but. Um, what
1: about like. Um you ever had a house like that. that had like a funny sort of smell or something <laughs> you know you know how do you
0: bring up something like that like your first home like when <laughs> you were single that <laughs> yeah, kind of a maybe. thing yeah
2: <laughs> uh gently ask that maybe they refrain from using some of what they um, are using yeah. okay. it's it's just having the gentle conversations Got i think
0: you. i have something very often. that's off-topic. where the sunday open house like baked Goods, you know, yeah, comes yeah. in oh, the cookie true. smell, right. the brownie, apple pie, apple right. pie, right? That that's true. the
1: that's the open house tactic. I love that. We just, I just mentioned you're, hot water heater. You're yes. going off subject. I'm here? going very far off. Um, and is it going to be about you? No, but okay. I'm wondering. Like, is that a, a, an incorrect statement? Hot water heater. Or is, you know what I mean? Because it's it the hot water? Or is it just a, a water heater? Is it a heater? double? Um, is, yeah. Is it just a water don't heater don't or is it just a hot water go. I mean,
0: here we are. You know what I mean? Good information. <laughs> the
1: water was already hot. To the hot. world. All the way over in London,
0: England, Frank Markey's listening to this. Yeah, oh my God. want guys. to know if the water's already hot, hot why does it need to be Water heater. Right. No, yeah. yeah. Chris,
2: so you know, every time I'm talking about a hot water heater, right, I'm going right. to be thinking of yeah. you.
0: It's a water heater. Yeah. It's just a water heater. Yeah. It's a water heater. Okay. Not a hot water heater. That's kind of what I thought. We're going to take some hot water and we're going to heat it. Right, right. Yeah.
1: But, Already all right. heating I don't hot know water. With the <laughs> all right, let's get on to uh, senior housing. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, I, I skipped that. Yeah. That, was, I
0: that wasn't a subject we were going to dive into. Okay, so a couple last things because I like to uh, put people on the spot. Everybody wants to do home improvements. You know, it's fun to do home improvements. You own a home. And one of the things that I've seen over the years, and I like to talk to agents about it because I love the insight, is – where does it make sense? Where does it not make sense to do home improvements? A mm-hmm. lot of consumers, homeowners, they do home improvements that aren't going to pay back dollar for dollar. Correct. So I'm just yeah. wondering in the hierarchy of, you know, and I know it depends on neighborhood and what kind of house you have and where it fits into the neighborhood. Because, if, you know, if you live in a $400,000 neighborhood and you bought a $200,000 home, you can do more improvements that will hold their value. But just absent that, just in general— What's your favorite or your top two places where you like to see people do home improvements, either before they sell or maybe because they want to increase the value of their home? You know, you could go kitchen, you can go master bedroom, you can go, uh, you know, creating to turn a closet into a bathroom where they don't have enough bathrooms in the home or whatever. Just kind of curious, like, your thoughts on that in general without, you know, being specific to a home.
2: Right. Well, kitchens and baths are... are popular, but you don't want to do that kind of investment if you're going to be um, leaving shortly because yeah. you're not yeah. going to get the return on that.
0: So you don't think most times you're going to get dollar for dollar on what you put in?
2: No, you yeah. probably get about half on on kitchens and baths. That doesn't make hmm. a lot of sense. So no. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm just going to revert back to your paint and your flooring. Very important. Windows. People look at the windows a lot. Um, but that's another large investment. Yeah. So yeah. Um, take all things into consideration.
0: I see people putting money into basements, which Creates more space in the home, right. but that doesn't always pay dollar for dollar for sure. I no. mean, that's not no. something that people are paying up for.
2: No, definitely not. Yeah,
0: no. I okay. like I like a little more room in the in the closet. You know, closet. I mean, you got I mean, a lot of clothes. I well, I I have my wife has a lot of clothes, but <laughs> I think more more closet space oftentimes can be, and it's not that expensive to increase a closet. You know what I mean? And to, versus going out and. Granite countertops, or whatever it is that you're doing in a kitchen or bathroom, it's usually more expensive than some of the more inexpensive items. I just think that, for the most part, consumers, homeowners, have very little concept as to what their return is going to be on what can often be somewhere between a ten and a hundred thousand dollar investment into their home. They just, granted, you got to do it for your own, you know, living because you like it. But there's also got to be a financial component to that decision.
2: Well, there definitely does. And if you're going to go in and make the changes, you don't know that the future homeowner, that's going to be to their taste. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's probably why windows and things like that are pretty safe. Yeah. Um, Right. I'm thinking about the last couple of things we did. Screened-in porch in the back. I'm sure that added zero value. Okay. Uh, Whose decision was that? uh, Very expensive. Um, Is that your decision? No. No. Well, I mean, you know, it's a it's a joint, it's a, a joint, joint venture. Yeah. Happy yeah. wife, happy it.
2: life. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: I like having it. So. That means that you <laughs> had like ten percent input, yeah, just the way mostly. you're putting it there. Yeah. What, what else? Did well, you that's do. true of most decisions. What else? Ten percent um,
1: input and one hundred percent work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. There. Well, we did yeah. a front porch too. Okay. Um. So curb appeal. You got porches everywhere. Yeah. We have a lot of porches. You guys, we like, had, you had, you had, had, to go out and sit out on the porch. Yeah. We had porch envy. Is that what you said? We absolutely
1: did, and so we took care
0: of it. What do you think about this? Are his porches increasing the value? Tracy? You know,
2: definitely curb appeal definitely. sitting on All the right. porch. Okay.
0: We'll <laughs> go with the curb appeal. Well, Tracy Leonard, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have yeah, you. It's always a pleasure Absolutely. working with you guys as from well. From the Tom Lipinski
0: team over there at Keller Williams Lakeside. Why don't you just give out maybe an email address that's easy if our folks want to reach out? Maybe they're thinking of buying or selling, they want some information from you or some kind of insight. Uh what where where would they reach you the easiest?
2: Yeah, any any question or help I can I can benefit um, Tracy with a E Y T R A C E Y ey
0: traceey at Lipinski Team.com. Tracy at com, and uh, that's another show in the book friends brilliant how you how'd you think we did fun not bad not bad for it's another edition of live on real estate for Jess and for Tracy and for Chris bozzoli and everybody here uh, we'll see you next time live on real estate